0: Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. VVC Premix from DSM Fermanish combines ultra-pure benzoic acid with nature-identical flavorings to safeguard feed and improve performance. Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner.
1: welcome to the swine nutrition black belt podcast the latest swine nutrition research digested for you i'm your host clayton chastain and today we have with us dr merlin lindemann a professor of animal and food sciences at the university of kentucky so merlin before we get started would you mind giving the audience a short introduction about yourself sure
2: i grew up on a a crop livestock farm in southwest minnesota and then got my uh, bachelor's and phd at the university of minnesota And after that, I went to work at Virginia Tech uh, in their swine uh, research area from 81 to 94. And then in 94, I came to the University of Kentucky and I've been there since then doing a variety of swine nutrition and management research.
1: So I guess to start out, uh, my first question would be, um, what is the importance of chromium in the pigs? Why do they need it? How does it work in the body?
2: Yeah, chromium is a micronutrient and it's intimately involved with uh, glucose and insulin metabolism. So it's been known for decades in in uh, rats and diabetic humans that chromium has value. Uh, The issue is that uh, rats can absorb a lot of inorganic forms. Humans cannot. So for humans, uh, if you put it in a tube feeding into uh, an IV tube, it gave a good response in diabetics, but not when you fed it. So the issue is absorption and getting across the gut. But uh, uh, many adult onset diabetics are diabetic because of a lack of of chromium. We also have a problem in women with uh, gestational diabetes and pigs become gestationally diabetic also. So there's the link. Um, There are other, places it uh, acts metabolically. But the key one is in glucose and insulin metabolism.
1: Gotcha. So you mentioned a little bit about it already about um, inorganic and organic chromium. Um, but when it comes to it seems like organic chromium is kind of the clear choice. But when it comes to selecting organic chromium, is there different options to choose from? Or is it really just um, like one clear option of organic chromium source?
2: Well, there are several options. Initially, the work that was done was with chromium picolinate, and I've done a lot of that work. In fact, did some of the blood work that had to be submitted to FDA in order to eventually allow it to be added to swine diets. Uh, But there are some others. Uh, The FDA has, uh, at time, uh, approved chromium propionate. And uh, also chromium methionine, to my understanding now at the present time, the only two on the market in the U.S. are chromium picolinate and chromium uh, propionate. And in some other parts of the world, chromium yeast, uh, which really was the first place chromium was found to be of of value. But in some other parts of the world, chromium yeast is also added to animal diets.
1: Gotcha. So it sounds like this is mainly fed to sows then. Um, I mean, if it's based on energy utilization, I would assume it's uh, typically fed as a lactation diet or do you feed it um, in other different strategies or other areas of production?
2: Well, actually, um, in work that we've done at at Virginia Tech, and first I would say, yes, most of it is in the reproducing animal. But the work at Virginia Tech showed that if you fed it in just gestation or just lactation, you got half the response. Of feeding it throughout the entire reproductive cycle, so it is a case that that chromium will be deposited in tissues and is available for times when when you're not supplementing it. So, um, but so there is that time dose relationship and deposition in tissues that all relates to to how much response you will get.
1: So, in terms of response, um, when looking at economics, have you done any work on evaluating the income over feed costs? Uh, for feeding chromium, uh, for ge- both gestation and lactation then? Yeah,
2: that's, you know, any any kind of return on investment model depends on what factors are in it and what the market is right now for the value of a pig or the, the value of the product. But um, And the numbers that, that were were calculated uh, have been numbers that were difficult to, to imagine it could be that much response, but it's, it's about – costs about 45 cents uh, per sow per year to supplement uh, the chromium picolinate. Uh, So it's not a large investment. Uh, The largest study ever done, which was, we had over a hundred thousand litters over a million pigs um, that showed about a 0.37 pig per litter increase in the number of pigs weaned. Uh, So you got a little bit more than a, a third of a pig weaned for that, uh, Uh, 45 cents per sow per year. Uh, Pigs weaned have gone up a lot over the past few years just because of genetics. So that maybe isn't an issue that a lot of people are interested in. But the guys at the farm, when we did the first studies, the thing they would always say when we did our preg check is we didn't have as many sows that were fed chromium that we had to rebreed. So that was the first thing. And that's not in a lot of economic models, but it improved our uh, conception rate. And the other thing in that large study with over a million million pigs 100,000 sows was there was a tendency and you can talk statistics and what's that mean and all that but uh there was a tendency for reduced mortality in the sows so especially you know, we broke the numbers out into first parity animals second third parity and then older sows uh In the second and third parity sows, their mortality in that particular study was about eight, nine percent, and it didn't change that at all. First parity sows, the um, mortality was 15.3 percent, and it reduced it to 12 percent, so over three percent reduction. Uh, The older sows were, were... bumping up again, a little bit above that baseline, eight, 9%. They were about 12 and a half percent. It reduced them down to 9% uh, mortality. So that I think is, it's not in the return on investment models, but to me, uh, the improvement in health and it, a lot of health is related to glucose and insulin metabolism, but there's other things that in immunity where chromium's shown effect in other species. That, I think, has the potential to be the, the largest return on investment for, for uh, our reproduction herds.
1: Currently in the NRC, there doesn't seem to be any sort of um, recommendation from the 2012 NRC that was released for chromium supplementation. Um, and I, I mean, just based on this study alone, I would say that that's not necessarily due to um, a lack of research or definitely not a uh, lack of data size or sample size. So why do you think there isn't a um, updated recommendation for chromium supplementation?
2: Well, I've served on uh, the NRC committee and we get very specific guidelines for what we can do in terms of changing any of the requirement estimates. And basically, we're told at the beginning, if there are no new studies since the last um, publication, then you have no basis to change a number. This is a revision. Uh, So if there's not uh, studies adequate, then you can't do it. And then the question is, what type of studies would qualify? And it can't be a study with just one level of supplementation. You cannot determine what is the appropriate level of supplementation from that. From that, you could say we got a response or we didn't get a response, but you can't tell what the maximum is. You can't tell if you've gone beyond what the actual requirement is. So they need multiple doses in the studies. So they need a dose response study. And those dose response studies have not been done and published. Uh, So there have been plenty of work. And plenty of agreement that there's value. But in terms of the type of studies that are needed to change the NRC publication, those are not out there yet.
1: Gotcha. So I guess my final question for you. So in terms of like the doses that you've done and tested, is there typically like a uh, recommended amount that you would recommend? Or is there any sort of restrictions that have been put in place at all?
2: Well, the FDA's allowance, if I can use that word, is... uh, they haven't approved something. They've issued letters of non-objection. So they've said we would not object to it being included in the diet up to 200 part per billion based on what's been submitted to us. So they look at, yes, there is a response and it's safe at that level. So so there is that restriction up to 200 part per billion. But and, and that's different than what you said starting out that you've seen research with other minerals like copper and zinc and, and the rest. Those, we can add higher levels. If we happen to use a form that's maybe cheaper but doesn't give as much bioavailability, we just add a little bit more of that. You can't do that with chromium. Chromium has an upper limit. It's capped at 200 part per billion. So it becomes important that you in my opinion, that you use forms that are the most available because you can't just add more. And so we've done some studies that look at the different forms and look at how much is deposited in the tissues. And in those studies, chromium picolinate was a clear leader for all tissues evaluated that the most was deposited by that. And the other forms had value. There was deposition of chromium in those tissues. But they were all somewhere between 13 and 50% of the amount uh, deposited in the tissues that the picolinate provided. So I think in terms of bioavailability, chromium picolinate is the most bioavailable. And so if you're really looking at how much do I supply to the animal, when you can't just add more, then you go with the most bioavailable source, and, and
0: that's picolinate. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Novus International, Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Hubbard Feeds, helping you meet your goals to maximize productivity and profitability in your operation. Anamin, international supplier of bioavailable precision minerals to impact pigs' gut health.
1: Gotcha. Well, I believe that's all the time we have. So thanks again for coming on the show. It's been fun. Thanks a lot, Clayton. And everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey everyone, we're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition related research trial and would like to come on the show and share it with us, feel free to email the details about your research to hello at wisenetics.com.